0: It's a destination. We are finally here. Let's go. Welcome back, everybody. Episode three of Destination Dynasty. I'm back. We're back for another show, and tonight we're going to get into quarterbacks. I hope everybody has enjoyed the first two shows on running backs and wide receivers, and we had a lot of great discussion this week, especially on the quarterback position. Uh, So this is probably going to be a two-parter in terms of covering quarterbacks. It's not going to be all in this episode because there's some stuff I want to put together. I'm recording this during the Sunday night football game. As usual, and I may record next week's episode prior to the week seven games, just so I can really wrap this data up and talk a little bit more about quarterback efficiency uh, and how much it does matter. And sometimes we overlook efficiency for quarterbacks because more often than not, when we are talking about quarterback production, we are talking about volume, right? Like how many times have we heard about market share numbers or target share percentages or yards per route run or targets per route run? You get a lot of these things to try to quantify how good a player is playing. You get a lot of stuff out there for wide receivers, especially trying to say, all right, this guy is this good because of these numbers. But ultimately, fantasy football is a volume game. Now, I think the issue with volume is a lot of times it isn't predictive. I think generally we can look back and say, okay, volume may be predictive season from season, from this offense to that offense, with this coordinator, with this coach, or with this quarterback. Uh, But I think it's important to kind of keep an eye on where the efficiency is. And you would hope, you would hope if you are finding efficiency that you will eventually get to a point where it's like, all right, this is efficient. Let's try to ramp up the volume until it hits that breaking point, until it hits that equilibrium point. And I'll talk a little bit more about what I mean by that. Uh, But think about it. If you have a team that is looking at the pass and saying, all right, if we pass it X amount of times, at what point does the efficiency start to dip to a level where we want to actually start going the other way? You know, think of the term like best bang for my buck, you know, biggest bang for my buck. How far can I push it with getting the most return? And you kind of look at the past the same way with quarterbacks. So this is going to be a two-part episode talking about quarterbacks in both episodes. Probably go about 45 minutes on each show. Uh, But we're going to talk a little bit about efficiency versus volume and finding that balance. Because we try to do the same thing at wide receiver or at running back. But a lot of times we are strictly looking at the volume for those positions. Because we look at it a little bit differently. You know, for those players, especially wide receivers like I talked about last week, The wide receivers need to earn the ball. The wide receivers need to earn whatever portion of the offense that their offense is putting out there. They need to earn that target share. That's why we talk so much about market share on last week's show. However, you know, when the piece of the pie is large, but it's a small pie, that's where you start getting into these numbers and you go, well, how much does it really matter? And that's what I want to talk about tonight with quarterbacks. I'm going to kind of stick to just the fantasy numbers and the efficiency numbers from a fantasy perspective tonight. And then on next week's show, I'm going to talk more about like real-life NFL numbers. I've kind of come up with my own efficiency model that I'm going to talk about next week. But really what we're trying to do here is we're trying to forecast... What quarterbacks are playing well? And I think you can look at a lot of the NFL metrics to kind of look at this and say, you know, these quarterbacks are playing well, these quarterbacks aren't. You could probably cross-reference those with fantasy production and say, all right, this quarterback is producing for fantasy, but he's not playing well from a real-life perspective. So where does that balance start to come into play? So you kind of think of it like this. You know, you have a quarterback that is playing really, really well, but they're only doing it on a very limited number of pass attempts, right? Right. Now, from perspective of the team, you're going to say, okay, the best player, one of the best plays we can run is letting this quarterback pass. So how far up can we dial that within the scope of our offense? How high can we dial those pass attempts before we start to lose the efficiency? So if you think about it, we're getting X amount of production every time we do this. So think about making widgets. The old example that you see in textbooks back from high school, making widgets. You, know, you can make this many widgets per hour by doing it this way. But this way you have some sort of inefficiency or some sort of expense. You know, it takes this much time to do it. Now you have this other way, or maybe you have this other method where you can slowly save some time, but you're getting less out of that time that you're spending. So there has to be that equilibrium point where you're going, all right, this is kind of the optimal place to be. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about tonight. So we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about the quarterback production. I have most of this data through week six, except for the teams that have played on Sunday night and Monday night. And we're really going to kind of get into how that's changed the quarterback strategy right now and why you can see a lot of the teams that have these top end quarterbacks right now in fantasy are absolutely dominating. And then you have the teams that have some of the players that are, quote unquote, overvalued or valued highly at the quarterback position that are not producing. And why most likely those are the teams that are really, really struggling. Then you have kind of the teams that might be competing or might not, but they have some of the like best bang for your buck or the good value quarterbacks. If you're looking from like an ADP perspective and kind of where those balance out. So we're going to kind of make this podcast a whole quarterback landscape episode and talk about that over the next few shows. As we really start diving into the approach of quarterbacks, not only right now approach of quarterbacks on the trade market, it'll be very interesting. Shout out to dynasty Barry. When we get, uh, his war data uh, through six weeks. Uh, if you're part of the Destination Debbie Discord, if you're part of the Dynasty and Chill Patreon, uh, you do get that war data for free. Uh, and it really kind of does give you an indication of how valuable these quarterbacks within the scope uh, of your fantasy roster. It's very interesting. It'll be cool to cross-reference that when we get the week six data uh, to compare that to some of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about tonight. But it's going to give you an idea of you know, how impactful Uh, it is to have these quarterbacks, especially if you're talking about a stock format, like a 12 team super flex, start 10. Uh, For this, I'm going to use six point passing touchdowns. So everything I'm going to reference is going to be a six minus two format. Uh, It it differs a little bit when you start getting into four minus one, four minus two, six minus four, like there's a bunch of formats uh, that it can slightly change. But for this, I'm going to use six minus two because that is Uh, what Barry uses for his war data as well. So it's going to be consistent uh, when we compare those. But we're going to get into kind of the discussion of how impactful those elite quarterbacks are. You know, a lot of people went with the two quarterback builds, you know, trade up for the quarterbacks. You know, what's the strategy if you can trade up and get two of the elite quarterbacks? What's the strategy if you can? You know, what do you do from there? What happens if you kind of tried to do the same build, but you ended up with one of these lesser quarterbacks that you still had to pay, you know, a round three or round four price on, but you're using them as your QB two, uh, and you're kind of struggling because it's one of those guys. And we'll get into some of the names uh, where you are struggling. You're starting that player every week, uh, but really you're getting beat by the teams that are rolling out players that were much lower valued. That teams are just kind of getting by for the season. You know, think of somebody like Geno Smith. You know, teams are just kind of getting by with Geno Smith. But you know what? You didn't have to pay anything for him. So it's, you're really struggling if you have one of these guys such as like Matthew Stafford or Russell Wilson, and you're rolling them out as your quarterbacks, and you're going up against teams that have somebody like Geno Smith. So it's kind of interesting to look at that and how we may be able to navigate the rest of the season. Uh, But also what this means, again, I'm going to always keep tying these into the 2023 rookie picks and how that's going to kind of change our approach next year when we're looking at drafting rookie quarterbacks, how it's going to impact the incoming rookie class. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about the actual quarterbacks that may be coming into the league um, as we go forward on the show. So let's get right into it. So we're going to first start by talking about uh, some numbers, some general numbers through six weeks of the NFL season. What we're trying to get at tonight. Uh, is looking at efficient quarterbacks from a fantasy football perspective. So again, these are fantasy numbers. So efficiency from a fantasy football perspective only. Uh, so we're going to start by just looking at the number of total pass attempts and the number of total completions uh, that have taken place in the NFL this year. There have been 4,035 completions in the league. There have been 6,200 and 89 pass attempts attempted in the league thus far. But again, this is through week six, uh, excluding the Sunday night and Monday night football games. Now, from a fantasy points perspective, and these are fantasy points scored uh, by receivers, running backs, tight ends, other players that can be eligible for scoring PPR points. Uh, thus far this year, there have been 10,056.5 PPR points that have been scored across the entire league. So I'm just giving kind of a sample size uh, of what we're looking at from an overall total perspective. And we'll just start there. And with that, you can obviously calculate what the numbers are just on average throughout the NFL, how many fantasy points are scored per completion and how many fantasy points are scored per pass attempt across the NFL. So if I'm looking at the entire sample size, and this also includes other players, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs throwing passes, and catching passes. And when you look at it at a per-attempt and per-completion basis, this year, every completion on average has contributed 2.492 PPR fantasy points. Every pass attempt has contributed 1.599 PPR fantasy points. So those are across the entire NFL. So there's obviously some, some averages in there that are skewing things. You have backup quarterbacks coming in, throwing passes, skill players throwing passes. But I just want to throw those numbers out. Those are going to be baseline numbers that I'm going to refer to uh, throughout the rest of the episode. So let's start talking about the actual quarterbacks. Again, what we're trying to get through here is trying to determine which quarterbacks are efficient, are the most efficient passers. Then you can line that up with, all right, are there going to be situations where, we know the volume is going to be high. That's what you want to chase. And sometimes you have to reassess this when we get to the offseason because there's different changes with quarterbacks, there's different changes with offenses, head coaches, offensive coordinators, systems, all of that kind of stuff. But I think the idea is trying to figure out Who are the efficient fantasy quarterbacks? And that's going to beget kind of what we talked about last week with the wide receivers. Obviously, if you have quarterbacks throwing to wide receivers that are on this list, you're going to be able to spot which ones are efficient, which ones aren't. And it's going to give you a better idea of kind of where you want to stack, where are you getting the best bang for your buck when you're talking about stacking You know, certain receivers or certain tight ends with efficient quarterbacks, but also kind of like where you want to break ties. And then some of this stuff is not rocket science. It's going to be, oh, that makes sense. You know, that offense is just better than this offense. And you're going to see that reflected in some of the quarterback data. But we're going to try to get to a point where let's look at How do I determine what quarterbacks I potentially want to chase? Which quarterbacks do I want to potentially buy low on? Because really, the efficiency is there, but maybe the volume isn't. Maybe the game script hasn't been there. Maybe they're missing some of their weapons. But there's a lot of things that can lead you to say, all right, this guy is an efficient passer, but maybe he just doesn't have the infrastructure around him to say that he can produce fantasy points. So that's why maybe he's not producing the numbers that I'm looking for, but the efficiency is there. And then the opposite. You know, there's going to be some other quarterbacks when we look at you know where do they rank from like a fantasy points per game perspective, where you're going, okay, they're up there in fantasy production, but what does that do to? Is it due to their rushing production? Is it due to their volume? Like Maybe they're just on bad teams where they're inefficient, but they're getting a ton of volume, and that's kind of what's leading to their fantasy production. But if that volume ever goes away, then let's watch out. I'm not investing in a high-efficiency fantasy quarterback here. So let's get into some of the numbers. Let's look at just right now, let's look at the leaders across the fantasy perspective just from a points-per-game perspective. So we're just going to look at fantasy scoring right now. So basic, you could look this up. You could go look at where everybody stands from a fantasy points-per-game perspective uh, through six weeks. Uh, and the obvious names are at the top. So if you're looking at points-per-game, you have Josh Allen at QB1, Patrick Mahomes, QB2, Lamar Jackson, Quarterback 3 Jalen Hurts, Quarterback 4 Joe Burrow, quarterback five. So right there through the top five, no surprises. Allen, Mahomes, Jackson, Hurts, Joe Burrow. Then you get down to the rest. Jared Goff, QB6, Justin Herbert, Geno Smith, Kyler Murray, Tua Viola, Derek Carr, and Carson Wentz round out the top 12 in terms of fantasy production. And again, this is six minus two. So six for a passing touchdown, minus two for an interception. Going through. So you have 13 through 24. You have Trevor Lawrence, Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, Joe Flacco, Marcus Mariota, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jameis Winston, Daniel Jones, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Jacoby Brissett. And then to round out the rest, QB 25, Ryan Tannehill, Justin Fields, Matt Stafford, Baker Mayfield, Davis Mills, Cooper Rush, and Mitchell Trubisky. So that is the top 31 quarterbacks in terms of fantasy production. And I made it so you have to have at least 100 pass attempts. I filtered out players with less than 100 pass attempts just because I don't think it's a big enough sample size for us to say, all right, you know, let's throw them in there on only 50 pass attempts or such. And then also there's a few guys in here like Joe Flacco that's not a starter anymore, a few guys in here with a smaller sample sample size, somebody like Jameis Winston or Mitch Trubisky, who may not start any longer as long as Kenny Pickett gets healthy. Cooper Rush, probably not going to be starting much longer once Dak Prescott comes back. Uh, So obviously there's some players that you can omit or just say, you know, it really doesn't matter where those guys stand. But it's kind of interesting to see once you look at these numbers, you know, it would make sense. You know, actually, when you look at a guy like, Cooper Rush or Mitch Trubisky or Baker Mayfield, like they're at the basically the very bottom. So they would be where you would expect uh, for guys that don't have jobs anymore. So there you go. That That's the top 31 in terms of fantasy points per game. Now, let's start looking a little bit deeper. Let's start looking at, you know, where do they get their points from a fantasy perspective? So let's look at those guys in terms of how much are they getting actually through the year. Because again, we're we're looking at fantasy production, but also from a passing efficiency lens. You know, obviously there's going to be guys that get a ton of points on the ground, and that's going to contribute to a higher percentage of their fantasy points. So I wanted to kind of look at the guys that kind of can give you the best of both worlds. So I'm going to look at the players uh, with the highest rushing shares in terms of their fantasy points created. How much are them coming from the rush? So let's look at that. So the top numbers, if you look at this, the leader right now, Jalen Hurts, he's at 45.7% of his fantasy points are coming on the ground. So extremely high. Now, Obviously, Jalen Hurts is in the top five, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But still, Jalen Hurts, a very high percentage of his numbers uh, are coming on the ground. Now, I did not exclude touchdowns. Sometimes rushing touchdowns can really, really sway this. Jalen Hurts has six rushing touchdowns this year, so obviously that is going to be something that's going to weigh heavily into those numbers. But I think it's interesting to look at, you know, where these guys are getting their production, because obviously, you want to be a player that is high in terms of the passing efficiency numbers. But if you're also hitting certain benchmarks, um, I've run these numbers historically, and it's usually about 15% is the cutoff of where I want to see a guy getting like 15% of their fantasy points on the ground. But I also want that player to not be somebody like the number two player, Justin Fields. So Justin Fields is getting 42.2% of his fantasy points on the ground. But Justin Fields is also not throwing the ball a lot, only 115 pass attempts through six games. Uh, And Justin Fields is also not scoring a lot of fantasy points per game in general. Like I already talked about, Justin Fields is only at 13.5 fantasy points per game. So I really don't care about the percentage as much. That's kind of the idea of, you know, Drake London has a 32% target share, uh, but he's doing it in a passing offense that averages 22 pass attempts a game. So the percentage is a little bit misleading. So there obviously has to be kind of like a minimum or kind of like an average that you're looking for uh, in terms of like the number of attempts or, you know, the number of fantasy points that a player is scoring before these percentages matter. So I just kind of want to throw that out there that they can be a little misleading, but it does speak to the skill set of a guy like Justin Fields. Like He is going to be a player that's going to contribute a lot from the rushing but he's also going to need more pass attempts and just more plays, more snaps, whatever you want to call it, more opportunities in general. Otherwise, his fantasy points per game are not going to be there. So just rolling down the list, I'm going to go over everybody that is over that 15% threshold that I'm looking at. So I already mentioned Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, Marcus Mariota, kind of the same situation as Justin Fields, not passing it a lot, only 137 attempts through six games, so not high volume at all. Uh, Daniel Jones, same thing, 35.4%. But Daniel Jones, again, only 159 attempts through six games. Lamar Jackson, next, 33.1%. Then you have Kyler Murray, 28.06%. So again, those top six are pretty much the ones we expected, right? Hertz, Fields, Mariota, Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. Uh, Rounding out the rest that are over the 15% mark, you have Jacoby Brissett. You have Josh Allen, you have Trevor Lawrence, you have Russell Wilson, you have Baker Mayfield, you have Mitchell Trubisky, and you have Joe Burrow. Now, you hear a couple of those names and you go, ooh, Mitchell Trubisky, ooh, Baker Mayfield. Well, see, they're kind of the same thing as Justin Fields, but at a much lower percentage, but they're also neither not throwing the ball a lot, They're not getting a lot on what they're throwing. And so obviously their fantasy production in general is extremely low. You look at a guy like Baker Mayfield, only 12.5 fantasy points per game. Who cares what his rush share is? You know, sure, it's cool that he's at 16%. But unless that is 16% of a much larger pie, it's basically irrelevant. So I think the rushing share thing is something you look at once you've kind of screened for the quarterbacks that you think are going to be fantasy viable, or you think can be, let's just say top 24 quarterbacks. That's where you want to kind of look at those guys and go, you know what, they've hit that rushing share mark as well. And once I can confirm that they maybe have the prerequisite amount of volume and they're efficient passers, you know, that's kind of where you're looking at that like minimum for players that can give you that little extra on the ground. Now, obviously, if you're in the Jalen Hurts range, the Lamar Jackson, Kyler Rui range, if you're above like 25, 30%, then that's where you're getting like the true Konami code quarterbacks. But everyone else, you're kind of just looking at, can I get something? You know, can I get 10%, 12%? Like I said, 15% is kind of the cutoff historically, uh, but that kind of went against the grain last year. We had six of the 12 quarterbacks that finished in the top 12 last year didn't hit the 15% mark. In fact, a lot of them were under 8%. You had guys like Matt Stafford, Joe Burrow, Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, like those guys were nowhere near the 15% mark. So it's kind of been a little bit of a misnomer, but then you kind of get into, and okay, well, if they didn't hit that mark, What drove them to still be top 12 fantasy quarterbacks last year? And we'll get into that next. It was efficiency. So let's talk about that. Let's get into the efficiency. We've kind of already gone over where players just rank from a fantasy perspective, and then also look at the ones that are getting a lot of points uh, on the ground. So let's get into the efficiency part. So I omit the rushing points. I just talked about those percentages. I omit the rushing points. So I'm going to take away any fantasy points that these guys have scored just based on their legs. So they're rushing yards, they're rushing touchdowns. Those are taken away. So I'm just looking at their fantasy points they have created through the air or passing the ball. And remember those numbers that I cited previously, uh, the points per attempt and the points per c- completion across the NFL. Again, I'll say them again. Throughout the NFL, every pass attempt this year, if you look at the number of pass attempts, 6,289 passes attempted in the league this year, Uh, There have been 10,056.5 fantasy points scored this year. On average, per pass attempt, it's 1.599 fantasy points created per pass attempt. For completions, there have been 4,035 completions in the NFL. And again, the same number of fantasy points scored, 10,056.5. So per completion, 2.492 fantasy points created per completion. So now I'm going to look at where do the quarterbacks rank relative to those numbers and kind of look at where they compare to league average. This is what I'm going to use to talk about the efficient fantasy quarterbacks. And you're going to see as soon as I start going over these numbers, the best names in the league, the guys you think are the best, most often than not, they are going to be at the top of this list. And then when you look at the list, you're going to go, all right, well, how do I apply this? How do I actually use this from a fantasy perspective? And again, we're measuring efficiency per attempt or per completion, but then you have to weigh that with, okay, what guys are actually throwing the ball the prerequisite number of times, and then you're looking at, okay, how can I get the most efficient fantasy quarterbacks with the most volume at the same time? And can I look at some of these guys that are producing really high efficiency numbers and at certain volumes and go, all right, I'm going to bet on them to continue to go up. Or maybe the volume might be a little bit lower than what you expect, but the efficiency is really high. You're going to go, let me bet that maybe if the volume goes up, the fantasy production is going to go way up. It's going to go up exponentially because I'm doing it at an efficient level. I have an efficient passer with increased volume. And the same thing, you know, guys that have maybe sustained on higher volume with low efficiency, what if the volume goes down? What if they get in the wrong game script? You know, that kind of thing is what you want to be looking at When I start going over these numbers, that's how you use the efficiency. Just because a player is efficient doesn't mean they're going to score the most fantasy points, but it gives you an idea of which quarterbacks are A- are creating the most for their weapons. So again, we're getting back to the questions about, okay, if this player was going to throw it 30 times today, and this player was going to throw it 30 times today, which one would you want to bet on in terms of putting their weapons in the lineup? Now, some of this can sway based on the matchups and the weather and all that kind of stuff. But again, we're trying to measure the most efficiency, and then we're going to chase that as we might think the volume might go up or as we might wanna think about you know, positive regression in terms of more volume coming forward or something like that. So let's get in it. We're gonna talk about uh, the highest efficiency in terms of attempts and completions across the league. So we're going to look at the attempts first, because I think attempts are the easiest for most of us to relate to when you're talking about just pass attempts. How many pass attempts is this player going to throw in this given game? And you're trying to measure, okay, based on that number, who is going to be the most efficient uh, with those pass attempts. So the leaders, the guys right now, if you're looking at the attempts that are above that number that I mentioned across the league, 1.599 fantasy points created per pass attempt. The guys that are above that for the season thus far, you have two Attack of Iola, 2.013, extremely efficient. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Geno Smith, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared Goff, Jalen Hurts, Marcus Mariota, Trevor Lawrence. Jameis Winston, and right on the average, rounding it out, Aaron Rodgers. So again, Tua, Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, Geno Smith, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared Goff, Jalen Hurts, Marcus Mariota, Trevor Lawrence, Jameis Winston, and Aaron Rodgers. The guys that are right below it, Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford, Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, Cooper Rush, Daniel Jones, Justin Fields, Russell Wilson, and, Davis Mills, Jacoby Brissett, Kyler Murray, Mitch Trubisky, Joe Flacco, and Baker Mayfield. So I know I just read off a lot of names, but how do you decipher that? So I basically just gave you a list of fantasy efficiency from a quarterback perspective. But then you heard some names probably in the high end ones, in the top end of the list, where you go, oh, Ryan Tannehill, oh, Marcus Mariota. Like those two stick out as, wow, you know, those guys really aren't producing much. For fantasy, right? Like you don't look at their fantasy points and say, well, Ryan Tannehill is only averaging 15.38 fantasy points per game and Marcus Mariota 17.8 fantasy points per game. And I already mentioned Marcus Mariota is really high on the rushing share scale. So, you know, you have two guys right there where you could say, okay, the issue with them fantasy points wise has been the volume. Mariota's only thrown 137 passes. Tannehill in five games has only thrown 126 passes. But I think you can flag both of them and say, you know what? If the volume ever increases, they probably have some positive regression coming in terms of them being able to create more fantasy points. The real question is, it comes down to, does efficiency beget volume or does volume beget efficiency? Yeah, I think we've seen with a guy like Tannehill, if you look back at his 2019 numbers and his 2020 numbers... They differ from his 2021 numbers where his efficiency dropped, and it's because his volume went up. So I think he's one of those quarterbacks we've kind of figured out. Like He's a guy they don't want to throw a lot, but when he doesn't throw a lot, he can be a very efficient fantasy quarterback. In fact, one of the top 10 in the league. The problem is you can't just say, oh, okay, Ryan Tannehill is so efficient let's just go ahead and bump his volume up 30% because what's going to happen is his efficiency is going to fall faster than some of the other guys. You know, you bump him up into the Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert passing range where they're throwing the ball 40 times a game, their efficiency is going to fall further than those guys. Those guys have shown they can sustain the efficiency on higher volume and someone like Tannehill and probably Mariota hasn't been able to do that. Looking at some of the other names though, you know, it's kind of intriguing to see somebody like Geno Smith up there. Like Geno Smith has been pretty efficient but it's not been on these super low volume numbers. You know, it's not like he's one of these guys that's been super efficient on only 140 pass attempts. So I kind of think, you know, I wasn't in on Geno Smith, but I kind of think if this continues, that he's somebody that you can buy into and go, you know what, he's never going to be a guy that's going to throw the ball 600 times, most likely. But I think he may be somebody that's could be right in like the Russell Wilson range. Like you look back at Russell Wilson's historic efficiency for fantasy, Geno Smith's numbers look very similar. Like Russell Wilson was always a guy that was somewhere around 525 to 550 pass attempts. And that's kind of where Geno Smith is trending right now. If you took his numbers and prorated that over 17 games, we'll call it 16 games, he's probably right around that 525 mark. So I'm willing to buy into Geno Smith based on what he's done thus far. And his efficiency numbers have been pretty high, even with pretty moderate volume. So I think he's somebody that you can buy into comfortably. Everybody else, I mean, Tua, I think, is somebody that you can buy into. I know we've kind of been a little bit off Tua. I'm definitely scared on Tua just based on, you know, the concussions, based on a lot of the stuff that goes into his value. He feels like a very, very fragile asset, uh, but you can't deny the efficiency. I mean, he's at the very top. And then everybody else below him, Allen, Mahomes, Jackson, Burrow, Herbert, like those are the next five after geno smith mixed in there as well like those guys are all legit those are the best quarterbacks in the league and their efficiency numbers from a fantasy perspective back it up the other one that's interesting is jimmy garoppolo he's always scored pretty high when i've run these numbers he's thrown the ball 29.8 attempts per per game thus far in his five games. Obviously, one of those games he came in even after Trey Lance uh, had played a little bit. So I think if you can just get 30 attempts a game for Jimmy Garoppolo, he's somebody that I'm willing to buy into. And it's interesting because this has always intersected with the fact that people think Jimmy Garoppolo is a bad NFL quarterback, uh, and he's really not. He makes some boneheaded plays, but from a fantasy perspective, he is an extremely efficient quarterback. Now, it's interesting when you dive into some of these numbers after the year and you look at, you know, the difference between like average depth of target and Uh, yards per attempt, and then you correlate that with yards after the catch. Like Garoppolo last year was one of the guys that benefited. He actually benefited the most in the league from yards after the catch. But who cares? You know, he's on San Francisco. He has Brandon Ayuk. He has Debo Samuel. He has George Kittle. So that's going to be encompassed in the efficiency numbers that you're talking about uh, from a Jimmy G passing efficiency standpoint. So you have to count that in, that he's the quarterback uh, that's going to be throwing to those guys. Now, that's interesting because... You really kind of want to have the San Francisco quarterback if they have those weapons. Uh, So I think that's another reason why you can say, you know what, I'm willing to kind of buy back into Trey Lance just for one more you know, rodeo next year when he takes the job back over. Uh, This is the second straight year. I bet you if we look at the YAC numbers uh, for the weapons, that San Francisco is another situation that's really, really benefiting the quarterback uh, in that regard. But it's interesting that Garoppolo is up there. Uh, Jared Goff, same thing. You know, I've always kind of shit on Jared Goff, but you know what? Jared Goff this year, he's not quite Geno Smith, and he had that dud against the Patriots. Uh, But thus far, I think you can buy into Jared Goff. I think him and Jimmy G are very similar. Uh, We kind of know what they are from an NFL perspective, but from a fantasy perspective, I'm kind of okay based on what we see right now to continue to buy into them uh, for the rest of the season. And then it's good to see somebody like Jalen Hurts up here. Obviously, the questions with Jalen Hurts were exactly this, passing efficiency, right? And so at least he's in the range where you're like, he doesn't need to be in the top two or three of the league. This just kind of speaks to how much better Lamar Jackson is than somebody like Jalen Hurts. Like Lamar Jackson is up there in terms of passing efficiency with the elite names, but he's also posting a ridiculous like 33% rushing chair. So that's why everyone will say like Lamar Jackson has the chance to actually break fantasy more than anybody else. And it's true. uh, And these numbers back it up. But Jalen Hurts, it's nice to see him up in that range. And then the the other one that kind of surprises me, Uh, is Jameis Winston. He's kind of right around the baseline, Uh, but it's very interesting to see him there because historically he's right in this range. He's really no different here than what he's been in the past. He was a little bit higher in a small sample size last year, Uh, but again, I'm okay buying into Jameis Winston. Again, he's probably not any different than Jimmy Garoppolo or Jared Goff, and I'm pretty confident that those guys are going to get shots again. So yes, they feel a little bit queasy to have those types in Dynasty, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared Goff, Jameis Winston. But if they continue down this pace, I'm comfortable with them for fantasy. But I'm also kind of comfortable rolling with those guys into the offseason. You know, that's going to be one of the big themes as you start looking at what jobs are going to open up, what quarterbacks are going to go where. uh, And they're a little shaky when you start getting to those names. But if you look at those four, um, I think I'm kind of willing to place my chips down on betting for them going forward. Uh, for fantasy as long as they have starting jobs. And I think these numbers will kind of support that they should be able to get another starting job after this year. Now let's go into the bottom end guys, the guys that are right around the baseline and then below it. So Aaron Rodgers, interesting at the baseline. Aaron Rodgers was at 1.6 fantasy points created per attempt, literally league average. Now this is shocking to me. Last year, Aaron Rodgers uh was the best in the league. He's been the best in the league the last couple years that I've measured this. Last year he blew everybody away. I mean Joe Burrow was number 2 last year. He was extremely good. Aaron Rodgers was like 20% better. And it's just amazing to see how far he has fallen and I don't know if that's his weapons. Um you know, he's thrown the ball 209 times, so it's not like this is a, you know, super super large sample size, but it's not small. You know, he's kind of right around, if you look at the numbers, right around 35 pass attempts per game, his efficiency is just lower. And so maybe that's something where you look back and you go, you know what, the Devontae Adams impact uh, was much bigger than we thought, but it's also translating to the fantasy points. He's not creating the fantasy points that he was in the past. So that's a little concerning, definitely concerning, especially with some of the chatter that we've had in the discord about, you know, Aaron Rodgers may not play pass this year. He may retire. You know, that's a guy that I'm okay thinking about flipping for one of those guys that I talked about before, like Garoppolo or Goff or Jameis Winston or Ryan Tannehill. You know, basically what I'm saying is their fantasy production isn't that much different. And the biggest thing that was driving a guy like Rodgers in Dynasty was his efficiency. It was, you know what, Rodgers has historically the best efficiency of anybody in the league, so I'm just going to throw some Aaron Rodgers weapons in there because, you know what, they're going to kind of ride him to more fantasy production than their talent can probably warrant. And that's just not the case this year. And then you go below him, Kirk Cousins, same thing. Right below him, Matthew Stafford, same thing. Below him, Derek Carr, same thing. We kind of lumped those four In a similar tier to begin the season, where it was like, these guys are not top 12 dynasty quarterbacks, but they're right there. They're right on the fringe. And they've lived historically on being efficient. They're guys that are going to hold jobs. But it's interesting to me to look at those four, and then you compare them with Goff, Garoppolo, Tannehill, and Jameis Winston. And Obviously, Winston is injured. Tannehill's done it on the small sample size in terms of he's only passing you know, 25 times per game. But it's interesting to see how close those guys are. So I'm not saying like Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo are those guys, but thus far they have been. So if there is opportunities, you know, to sell those guys, maybe for some of the others, for pivots, I'm okay doing that. And I don't want to ignore... You know, previous year's data where Kirk Cousins has been really good. Derek Carr has been just a slightly lesser version of Kirk Cousins. So I can see those guys kind of going up a little bit as we go forward. Uh, But you have to think that there's a little more risk with somebody like Matt Stafford or Aaron Rodgers in their current situations. Like, they're definitely... Ah, uh, the ones that I'm talking about. If you went into the season going, you know what? I couldn't get those two elite quarterbacks. You know, I tried to trade up and get, you know, the Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson start, but I couldn't. So I settled for Matt Stafford. Like there has been a big difference between Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow, or Matthew Stafford and Justin Herbert. Like there's been a massive difference between those guys, and people didn't really think about that going into the season. They thought they could kind of bridge the gap. So if you've been starting, you know, someone like Matt Stafford and Derek Carr each week you're probably looking to your quarterback room going, man, like these guys, I need them to be better because their dynasty value was fairly high going into the season compared to the team that's rolling out Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, you have a team that's rolling those two out and you're basically getting better production from those guys than you are with Stafford and Cousins or Stafford and Carr, but you probably paid a prettier price uh, for Stafford and Carr or Stafford and Cousins coming in. So those have been the ones that have disappointed Below that, Tom Brady. And I got to throw Tom Brady in the mix. And again, Tom Brady's volume is extremely high. His last year's numbers was not sustainable, over 710 pass attempts with top three efficiency, like almost a record-breaking season. So it's, it's fair that he's regressed, but he's also on pace for like another 700 pass attempts this year. So is that going to be sustained? Is he going to be somebody that maybe they dial back his volume a little bit? I don't know. Uh, And Matt Ryan, same thing. Like Matt Ryan and Tom Brady basically have been the same thing this year, which is interesting because everyone shits on Matt Ryan and everyone's kind of just waiting for Tom Brady to turn things around. Now, Matt Ryan has seven interceptions compared to Tom Brady's one. uh, And you have to think Tom Brady's weapons will come back and they'll help these efficiency numbers rise a little bit. But he's been another one that's been kind of the same disappointment range as the others, like Cousins, like Carr, like Stafford, like Rodgers. Then when you go below that, I think that's the cutoff this year. So you have the Rodgers, Cousins, Stafford, Carr, Ryan, Brady range. Then you get below that, and this is where we're getting into these guys have just been bad. These guys have been bad from an efficiency perspective. And I'll rename the list again. Wentz, Cooper Rush, Daniel Jones, Justin Fields, Russell Wilson, Davis Mills, Jacoby Brissett, Kyler Murray, Mitch Trubisky, Joe Flacco, Baker Mayfield. Now, most of those guys, you already know they're bad. You already know that probably Carson Wentz and Daniel Jones weren't that great from a fantasy perspective. Maybe they stay up there. And again, they are staying up there based on their rushing share numbers this year. Uh, what did I say? Daniel Jones, 35.4% of his points on the ground. So that's what's keeping him up there from like a fantasy production perspective. But he's still not really producing much, only 16.7 points per game. So you can see where, even though Daniel Jones is hitting the rushing marks, he's still not producing for fantasy. And most of that is his passing efficiency. Now, maybe his weapons help him get a little bit better, uh, but discouraging. Like he's winning games, but I also look at this and go, he's not a fantasy quarterback that I want. Even though he can run the ball, he's only running the ball. His passing efficiency is bad. Same with Wentz. Like, Wentz's rushing numbers have been a little bit lower this year, only 7%. Uh, But again, his passing efficiency is bad. So he's one of those guys where you go, okay, how has Wentz produced the fantasy production that he has this year? How has he produced almost 19 fantasy points per game? Uh, Well, most of it is the fact that he's thrown the ball a lot. You know, he's up there in the top seven in the league in terms of pass attempts. So he's one of those guys where you probably look at it and you say, you know what, the volume... Really, the team should dial Carson Wentz's volume back. He's probably throwing it too much. And so I I would kind of look at him as being a sell candidate. Not that you can sell him for much in Dynasty, but he's on the bad list. Uh, Justin Fields, we already know that. The other ones, Trubisky, Flacco, Baker Mayfield, Davis Mills. I mean, those guys all suck. So there really isn't any any mystery to those. There's no reason to buy any of those guys. Like, this is the list. That group is all the ones of, of guys that aren't going to be starters anymore. Mayfield's not a starter. Flacco's not a starter. Trubisky's not a starter. Brissett, Davis Mills, those guys are going to be gone soon. Cooper Rush, gone soon. So it's basically all the ones you go, we don't value at all. The names I want to talk about here, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. Now, Kyler Murray is still helped in fantasy because of the rushing, right? Like Kyler Murray with the 28% rushing share, that has helped you. That is why he's currently scoring 21 points per game. And I think you can accept this passing efficiency from Kyler Murray if he's going to give you those rushing numbers. Here's the thing. If he's going to give you those rushing numbers, but his passing efficiency is going to be here, fourth to the bottom, this is what needs to come up if you want him to get back to that guy that could be a league winner. You know, he's got a lot of volume as well. 252 pass attempts and a large rushing chair. So that is why his fantasy numbers are so high. So what you need for Kyler Murray to turn it around, you need him to kind of stay at this range. You still want him to be in that like twenty five percent rushing chair range. Like that's perfect uh from what you know he can do. At the same time though, you need his passing efficiency to go up. That's the only way he's gonna even challenge up with the guys that are higher than him. That's how he's gonna even get close to somebody like Lamar Jackson or Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow. Like he's still quite a ways below them simply because of the fact that his passing efficiency is so low. So that needs to go up. But at least he's got that floor of the rushing efficiency where he's still going to probably be a top 12 quarterback regardless, just because he's at that 25 or 28% number thus far this year. The biggest concern, I already talked about the concern with Rodgers, Cousins, Stafford, Carr, but at least those guys are right around like league average. Like you could accept league average maybe a little bit better because it's a small sample size, right? We have only six games in. The biggest concern, and this didn't really shock me, and it's not going to shock most people, uh, is Russell Wilson. And this is the one i want to look up most uh, with the war on Russell Wilson. When we get Barry's war numbers, you know, it feels like if you've had Russell Wilson, you've started him every week, and you're not getting much on the ground. Like, you're only getting 16% rush share uh, on the ground, which isn't terrible, but it isn't Kyler Murray range, right? And you're getting extremely bad passing efficiency. You're getting passing efficiency uh, that is 7th to the bottom in the league. So that needs to come up. And this is more concerning than Aaron Rodgers because Russell Wilson used to live on the passing efficiency. He's always been a guy that's lived on the passing efficiency basically for his whole career. And the volume isn't bad this year. You know, through five games, he's averaging right around 34 pass attempts a game. We'll take that. Like Career-wise, that's right around where Russell Wilson has always been. So that hasn't changed. His volume hasn't gone up or hasn't gone down. Uh, His rushing right around his career numbers, I believe he's around like 12% for his career. So he's at 16. We'll take that. It's just everything else. The the efficiency numbers are just down. His passing efficiency needs to go up. A 59.4% completion percentage that needs to go up. And he's hurting his weapons. You know, I said it before the year. You know, the guys that I wanted to make big bets on, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, were those guys, not because they are any better than a lot of receivers in the same tier, but because they're going to be able to ride Russell Wilson's passing efficiency upwards. And this gives you a little glimpse of why those guys haven't produced, because Russell Wilson's not producing, and he's not dragging the weapons along into fantasy production because of the fact that his efficiency is low. So that's the biggest concern on this list. Uh, Just to kind of break it down again, you know, I'm looking at where these guys are just from a passing efficiency standpoint. Uh, And then you have to kind of weigh that with how many attempts they're throwing per game, and then kind of look at the matchups and also look at the weapons. And you can kind of look at these numbers and say, you know what, that is the guy I want weapons with. So to kind of translate this, and I'm not going to go through the completion numbers because a lot of them are very similar, you know, really just looking at completions in the same way that we're looking at attempts. I think attempts is more translatable from a fantasy perspective. Uh, But here's the takeaway. Obviously, there's some guys on here that I've said I'm a little wary of, you know, like Rodgers, Cousins, Stafford, Carr, Ryan, Brady. Like, I think they can go either way. Definitely worried about Russell Wilson buying into any of those guys at the top. You know, can you get your hands on Allen Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert? Can you get your hands on those guys? Can you get your hands on Tua? I've never been a Tua guy, but these numbers say, you know what? You should be buying him at his current price. You should probably be doubling down and buying Tua at his current price. You know, is Tua in the same tier as those other guys? No. Uh, Tua doesn't have the rushing share numbers either. Like Tua gives you basically zero on the ground, which is a little bit concerning, You know, obviously want to buy the guys with the high efficiency, but also giving you the rushing share numbers. So for instance, like Geno Smith's at 14% rushing share. I'll take it. Joe Burrow, 15% rushing share. We don't need Joe Burrow to run a lot, but if he's running at about that pace, he's going to be great for fantasy. I mean, he's QB5 right now. That's basically what you would expect Joe Burrow to do. He's not going to be in the range, probably with Mahomes or Josh Allen, but he's going to be right there. Like outside of the top three or four guys, he's going to be right there. I think he's been exactly what you paid for if you paid like a top five or top six fantasy price for him or dynasty startup price for Joe Burrow. But with Tua, like I'm in Montua, but at the same time, those rushing share numbers kind of keep me from paying the uber elite price like i'm not paying the three first to get to a i probably don't want to pay two first with the concussion stuff but i'd pay a first i'd pay a first plus to get to and that's crazy because i never never would have been in on that and you know i'm a silently taken victory lapse you know when his value started to plummet because it was like you know what the market is speaking and so there's maybe a little more volatility with Tua, but these numbers say Tua. Geno Smith, even Jimmy Garoppolo or Jared Goff, like I'm willing to buy in. Trevor Lawrence, I'm okay buying in a little bit on Trevor Lawrence. And then Mariota, Tannehill, those guys like kind of buy in at your own risk because their efficiency is probably more of a product of the fact that their volume is low. And as soon as their attempts started to go up, as soon as you start making those guys throw it 35 times a game, all their efficiency numbers are going to plummet. And then the sells, like I don't even want to say sell Russell Wilson, but man, like you could tell me if this continues, that there's not going to be a bigger faller in terms of value than Russell Wilson. So maybe there's just things that need to be ironed out. But obviously on this list, him, Kyler Murray were the two biggest disappointments. I mean, what what keeps Kyler Murray from being an elite fantasy quarterback is this the passing efficiency. I already talked about that. And for me, I think Kyler Murray would still be a buy just because his numbers were the opposite. He was fourth in the league if you looked at these numbers from last year. So I don't know what's going on with that. Like that's one of the biggest ones that stood out to me was, you know, Kyler was at the top. Like he was, he was passing at the same type of rate as not quite Burrow last year, but he was right there with Stafford, Brady. You're going, wow, if Kyler does that, that's a guy I want more of. So I'm kind of still in on Kyler, but these are a little bit concerning, uh, at least in terms of his passing efficiency this year. So I don't know if it's a broken offense or what, uh, but that's a guy probably overvalued at his price. But at the same time, you know, one thing we always say is if you can get your hands on a guy like Kyler Murray and just bet that the efficiency comes back like it did last year. I guess I'd still be okay paying that three first price, but I think right now with what we're seeing, the gap between him and these other guys, like like I would take Joe Burrow over Kyler Murray, and that that's I think a hot take for a lot of people. A lot of people would say, you know what, I would probably take Kyler over Burrow for the upside. But here's the thing: you're you're seeing the upside of why you would take Kyler over Burrow right now. You know, Kyler has the massive rushing share production, but his passing efficiency is just so bad that he's not even able to really get close from a fantasy points per game perspective because of it. So that needs to come back for him to be in that range. Otherwise, you're going to go, I'm going to take Burrow over Kyler Murray. I'm going to take Justin Herbert over Kyler Murray. It's not even going to be close. And obviously, Jalen Hurts, like Jalen Hurts over Kyler Murray. So, you know, that's my takeaway. I know this was a lot of data. Um, I think we're going to next week talk about the efficiency from like an NFL perspective. So we're going to start talking about some other efficiency metrics that are not fantasy production. Uh, But I think the interesting part about this is, you know, this can be, and I guess that's the question I want to pose to everybody out there, because I've had some people kind of challenge me when I talk about passing efficiency, but we're talking about it from two different frames of reference here. We're talking about like NFL passing efficiency, and we're talking about fantasy efficiency. And I think they can be one and the same. A lot of them are going to cross-reference and they're going to be the same names. Uh, but you also have to look at the weapons as well. Like you can explain some of these guys, maybe if they have some weapons that are missing or if they have offensive line issues or something like that, where you can sell yourself on maybe this is the reason why, because it is only a six-week sample size. But at the same time, you have to kind of look at the weapons too and say, you know, part of what I've always bought into is when I identify efficient passers from a fantasy perspective... I want to buy into the weapons, especially the weapons that are in like those tiebreak range or those flex ranges. You know, if I'm looking at, for instance, like Josh Palmer, Josh Palmer can be a maddening player to play, but you can almost argue to play a guy like Josh Palmer constantly when either Keenan Allen or Mike Williams is missing. Now, he's probably not as good as somebody like Gabe Davis, for instance. Justin Herbert hasn't been as good as a guy like Josh Allen. But at least if you're in that type of range, that's the player that you want to play more often than not over other players, even with maybe the volume being lower for a guy like Josh Palmer than somebody that's on Washington or somebody that's on the Texans or the Steelers. So just kind of think about it in those terms is what are you chasing? Are you chasing pure volume or are you chasing efficiency? And where can you marry the most uh, together? Or where can you marry the both together? Because you think about a guy like Josh Palmer. Okay, if he's going to get seven targets, you're going to compare that to maybe nine targets from a much worse quarterback. This data says, I probably want to go with the seven targets because of where he's getting the ball from or who he's getting the ball from. So that's kind of how I think about this from a fantasy perspective. And when you get into stacks, You know, I aggressively want to try to be stacking. And here's the strategy part of the show. I would aggressively want to be stacking players in these flex ranges. So think of Josh Palmer. Think of Tyler Boyd. Think of Marquez Valdez Scantling. Think of Devin Duvernay, those types. I want to be able to stack those guys on the times when I would ever need to play them. Now, that doesn't mean you play them every week, that doesn't mean you throw Tyler Boyd into your flex every single week. But I think there's merit to say on teams where you have Joe Burrow, it would make sense to go even just make neutral trades, like literally go trade Josh Palmer for Tyler Boyd on a team where you have Joe Burrow, because you're chasing the potential where if I ever need to play Tyler Boyd, I'm in a situation where that type of player can be elevated by the efficiency of their quarterback. That's kind of how I think about this efficiency stuff. Next week, we're going to look at things from an NFL perspective, um, get into some NFL efficiency metrics for quarterbacks. I definitely want to talk about uh, Dynasty Barry's war data. I want to see kind of where it lines up, uh, the war data, along with how this quarterback fantasy efficiency lines up. It's going to be interesting to talk about that. Uh, And again, it comes down to if you built your teams around two of those elite quarterbacks. I mean, if you're just talking about, let's say I started a team with Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. If you just started those guys every week, you really, as long as you just have kind of like league average at the other spots, and we talked about like where those benchmarks were last week and the week before on the running back and wide receiver episodes, you really kind of feel like you could just throw out league average uh, and get by if you had those two guys at your quarterback spots. Even more so if you were able to stack within those ranges. You know, did you have the ability to stack somebody like Gabe Davis with Josh Allen? Did you have the ability to stack somebody like Josh Palmer with... Justin Herbert or Gerald Everett with Justin Herbert. Now you're going to take some duds, but I think the idea being is where's the best bang for my buck from a weekly standpoint. And so the takeaway is like, if you're stacking, if you're looking at those types of builds, it really doesn't make sense to stack on these lower ends either. Like that's another takeaway. It really doesn't make sense to stack a guy like Carson Wentz with Terry McLaurin right? Because you probably don't want to be starting Carson Wentz to begin with. But if you do, you're probably starting Carson Wentz for, you know, basically like a high volume outlier game from him. But I don't really want to bank on him being able to carry his weapons because his efficiency is low. You you don't want to bank on efficiency where, okay, his efficiency is terrible, but I know he's going to throw the ball 50 times. And I think a lot of times we chase that we chase volume but we ignore the quality component that goes along with it. Uh, and that's where you kind of get into the nuances of where you want to stack and what offenses you want to attack. So hopefully I gave you a lot of data. I know I just kind of rambled uh, and talked a little bit about like how I view the efficiency from a fantasy perspective. Um, I didn't really have time to get into like team building, but it just kind of feels like if you built teams around some of these guys that are on the bottom, right? if you've been starting Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson every week, Like, you're probably struggling. I have a couple teams that have that combo, Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, and they're struggling. Like, they're right around 500. They're not probably giving me that war or that wins above replacement relative to what I had to spend. Like, when we're measuring war, we're kind of just measuring the impact of all those players, we're not measuring the impact of those players at their cost. You know, you might have done a startup draft and you traded back up to get Russell Wilson at the end of the first, early second round of the startup, and you started with Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. That team's probably feeling the pain right now. Vice versa, if you traded up and you have Josh Allen and Justin Herbert or Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, like there's very little you can do to not be winning, especially when you're talking about a league with like 10 or 11 starters. Like that's such a massive advantage above the rest of the field. You know, it's almost like if you, when we, when we look at the war number and Barry posts the the stacks and you kind of look at quarterback combos, another thing that would be cool is to look at quarterback combos and the war for quarterback combos. Like, how do you even make up that war with receivers or with running backs? Like, it's so random. I mean, look at the running back episode that I did in week one and where a lot of those spike weeks are coming from relative to the prices that running backs cost on the open market it's just not worth it it's almost impossible to beat the team that has that tandem so then you get into ideas of and we'll talk about that this week in the discord how do you upgrade to these quarterbacks how do you get them what is the cost that's too much and that's what i'll leave everybody with uh for the rest of the week how do you get these quarterbacks you know what is the advantage how much is too much to pay How much is too much to pay when you're throwing in a guy like Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase or Brees Hall or Kyle Pitts? You know, how much is too much to pay on top of a couple extra picks? And when you really look at the war data, you're going to go, man, like there really isn't too much to pay. So my takeaway is going to be, you know, how many teams can I upgrade to these quarterbacks in season? How many teams can I make those trades and upgrade to those quarterbacks? What is it going to cost me? Future picks, skill players, but I bet when we get the war data and we start looking more into this efficiency, like, this is the key. Now, is it going to stay the key going forward? I don't know. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what the quarterbacks look like coming into this draft, because uh, another thing is it, it's really hard to get to, like, the Justin Herbert level. Like, it's not that hard, I don't think, to get to the Matt Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr level. Like a lot of guys that make it and aren't bust are going to probably get somewhere close to that range. But to take that next step, it's really, really difficult. We wonder, is that what you want to chase with your rookie picks? Do you want to bank on rookie quarterbacks being able to get uh, to this high end range? So that'll be interesting to talk about. I'll definitely want to look at the war data when we get it and talk a little bit more about like real life quarterback efficiency next week. And maybe look at the guys that are efficient for fantasy, but aren't so efficient in real life. Like, I think that'll be another cool takeaway. Like, I love Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's my favorite quarterback in the league. Everyone knows I'm a Bengals fan. But you know what? If you look at Joe Burrow's fantasy efficiency compared to his NFL efficiency, there's probably a little bit of a bigger gap compared to him than some of the other elite guys. And I think that's why people go, you know, he's not in the same tier as Mahomes or Allen or even Lamar Jackson. And I think when you kind of measure those two together and you go, okay, Burrow is an elite fantasy efficiency quarterback, but he's just kind of an above average NFL efficiency quarterback, what does that kind of tell you? Kind of tells you that maybe you're looking at the weapons are dragging him a little bit more than some other players that are on other teams. So that'll be something cool to look at Is kind of cross-reference where these guys rank from a fantasy perspective versus a real NFL perspective. That that's definitely will be my hypothesis on Tua. That Tua probably presents way better in these numbers than real life. Uh, but we'll see. We'll get into some of those numbers. And obviously two has only played a very, very small sample size. So maybe it's a little too early to judge on a guy like him, but that's what we'll talk about next week. Uh, if we have any follow-up questions on quarterbacks, you know, I definitely want to do one more episode on quarterbacks, talk a little about the 23 class coming in and do a little forecasting on maybe where the quarterback landscape will be sometime around February or March of, of next year and how that'll impact the incoming rookies. So again, appreciate everybody that stayed for episode three of Destination Dynasty. Uh, as always, you can follow me at Charles Chill FFB. Check out everything that's going on over at Destination Devi. Join the discard, Join the Patreon. Patreon.com/allgas. And then finally, check out the newsletter. Um, everybody over at the DD team is putting it together. Contributing in many different aspects. You have waiver stuff, redraft, dynasty, DFS, gambling, everything you think of all in one spot. You can check that out. All you have to do is give your email. It is allgas.beehive.com. Check out the newsletter. You'll get that once a week before the weekend hits so you can dive into stuff for the weekend. And as we approach week seven, good luck to everybody that has matchups still pending on Monday night. Hit me up on Twitter. You know, hit up the Destination Debbie feed, hit up the Destination Dynasty retweet, uh, when this goes out, with any questions uh, or follow up that you want to talk about next week when we do another quarterback episode. So again, appreciate the platform. Shout out to everybody at Destination Devi, Ray, Jay Rich, everybody over there. Glad to be here. Glad to be on board. Still kind of getting my feet wet. Uh, the first couple episodes into the show, uh, and I promise people have already asked me when are we going on YouTube. When are you going on YouTube? I'm definitely going to do uh, a show. Try to do it every single week during the offseason on YouTube, uh, and we'll definitely be doing one coming up uh, where I'll kind of do like a Q&A and just, you know, shoot the shit, talking about stuff, whatever everybody wants to talk about in the chat. Uh, interact with the DD crew and the DD subscribers over there on YouTube. Uh, I'll announce that here. We'll definitely do one before the end of November. So give me a couple more episodes to kind of get my feet wet, figure out where I want the show to go. And again, appreciate everybody that's tuned in, checked out the show for the first time. And we will be back next week with another quarterback efficiency episode and dynasty discussion.